feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. It is horrible when you see the damage, everybody, that Hurricane Ian left behind. Uh, By the way, so many parts of the country still getting bombarded with rain and pounding winds. Uh, Even over the weekend in the Northeast, a lot of rain, it continues to come down. And if you see what's happening down in Florida, especially, I mean, they are saying now tonight that Sanibel Island could potentially be inhabitable, inhabitable, like nobody may be able to go back there again. I mean, that is the kind of devastation that has been, you know, wreaked by Hurricane Ian. And they're saying potentially $100 billion worth of structural damage. That doesn't even include, of course, the deaths. Right now, some of the death tolls are over 60. They expect that to go higher as the recovery efforts Uh, continue. But boy, everybody is just so devastated when we see the destruction from Hurricane Ian. And yet the Democrats seem to be playing politics. First off, take a listen to just some of those victims of Hurricane Ian describing what they experienced firsthand. I haven't seen anything like this. And I live in Southwest Cape and my house got creamed and it's a new house, you know, built the code and all that good stuff. Built to code, but still could not handle a Category 4 hurricane slamming into their state and literally destroying their state. And coming up, by the way, in just a few minutes, we're going to be talking to Cheryl Chumley, who is the online Washington Times opinion editor, to get her take on the politics of this all. Because in a second, I'll tell you what Kamala Harris said that is so outrageous. First off, here is another Hurricane Ian survivor talking about what he is seeing. Right now, there's just nothing there, and it's going to take a very, very, very long time to get anything, even power, water, anything. It is going to take a long, long time. And so as we are thinking of, gosh, how can we help the victims of Hurricane Ian, especially in the state of Florida, Kamala Harris is playing the race card. Listen to what she said. It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and and impacted by by issues that are not of their own making. And so we... Absolutely. And so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. And if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and, and do that work. How outrageous. As people are grieving and still cleaning up, looking for loved ones, She is talking about the race card in terms of doling out hurricane relief funds. To me, that is outrageous. And that is so par for the course with the liberal policies. It's like after every sort of tragedy, she somehow brings up race. It is so destructive and so divisive. 
What are your thoughts, everybody? It's 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And here is Mercedes Schlapp, former Trump White House official, reacting to these crazy comments from Kamala Harris. I think that the big problem is, is that for Democrats, they go straight into identity politics, especially when it comes to all these variety of issues. And then when you're dealing with a natural disaster, which, you know, is impacting all walks of life, uh, people of all color and race, ethnicity, you know, you, you want to put the identity politics aside. And I think it just came out wrong. Uh, I think for Kamala, it is it is an opportunity for her to cl- she should clarify because At the end of the day, I think Governor DeSantis and the team on the ground and FEMA, they're doing their best to address, obviously, the fatalities that are happening, the search and rescue operation that they're dealing with. And but Kamala, time and time again, makes these mistakes. And uh, and it really is a cleanup act for the for the White House. And I'm not sure. I mean, I agree that they're mistakes, but I don't think Kamala Harris thinks they're mistakes. I think she thinks she should be doubling down. And joining us now to talk about all of this is the online opinion editor of The Washington Times. She is also the author of a really great best-selling book. It's called Lockdown, The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom. And joining us now is the author of that, Cheryl Chumley. Cheryl, great to have you here on the show. Rita, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you. What's your reaction to Kamala Harris, Cheryl? I couldn't wait to get you on this topic because you have written about this. You and I have talked about this. But what do you think? It's it's just stunning. It's the last thing I'm thinking about is, you know, racial equity. I'm just thinking, get aid to everybody who needs it. Yeah, and this is just after we heard the Democrats a few days earlier blame the hurricane on climate change. So they're really shameless when it comes to politicizing human tragedy. And what's interesting to me is that, like you, I wondered, was Kamala Harris maybe just misstating? Is she going to walk back these comments? Well, no, she isn't. And here's two reasons why. She doesn't have to because PolitiFact just came out and said, Kamala Harris didn't say Hurricane Ian relief would be based on skin color. They rated that as false. And the way they did that is they kind of sidestepped the issue. She was basically clear in her messaging that it would be uh, given out based on skin color, based on ethnic background. But because she didn't explicitly state that, PolitiFact rates that false. So the water carriers in the media are already picking up and covering for, for the White House. And the second reason this isn't an accident, if you go back in time, Joe Biden on day one in office signed an executive order advancing racial equity and support for underserved communities through the federal government. And in that executive order, it laid out plans for his administration to do just this. That is stunning. So describe what that executive order says, because you're right. I didn't think. She misspoke. Uh, I mean, I don't agree with what she said, nor obviously do you. um, But it sounds like there was already a plan in place. Talk about that executive (laughs) order, Cheryl. That's amazing. 
Yes, and, you know, people can look it up. Executive Order 13985, signed by Biden day one in office. And it was basically his announcement that his administration was going to spend his four years in office going after systemic racism in America, in America's systems. And so they address everything. They put in this executive order that they want to take a whole-of-government approach for furthering an equity agenda, which is another way of saying an anti-American agenda. That is scary because, listen, if there are racial issues, obviously everybody wants to see fairness, but they seem to inject race in every area. Um, And I know it's one of the things you talk about in your great book. Again, it's called Lockdown Everybody, the Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom. Why do you think everything has to come back to race, especially when it comes to Kamala Harris and it seems like a lot of people uh, that are close to her, especially? Because it's the divide and conquer way of the Democrats, right? They, They don't have the principles to win the hearts and minds and spirits of American voters. So what they do is they divide America and then set those various divisions against each other to war against each other. And that creates a a scenario where then they, the Democrat Party, can swoop in and pretend to be the big savior uh, and equalizer of humanity. And so this is how Democrats win. It's basically a socialist type of agenda where they can promise one group this and promise another group that and blame this group for all the ails and ills of all the other groups. And it it constantly creates this situation in in America where uh, Americans are ticked off against Americans that they shouldn't be ticked off against. It should be, as Ronald Reagan said, the government is the problem, not the solution. And meanwhile, the Democrats have cleverly put in place an agenda that has so hyped Americans against each other that too many in America now are looking at government to be the solution. Although, you know, don't you think, and everybody, we are talking to the great online opinion editor of The Washington Times, Cheryl Chumley, also is a great best-selling book called Lockdown, Everybody. Um, Don't you think it's going to backfire, though, Cheryl? Because as soon as I heard her say that, and you reminded us also of the comment about climate change that, you know, Biden and others were making, too, my eyes just rolled back because all I could think about was, here we go again. Don't you think at some point, you know, people are thinking, okay, parents are called domestic terrorists at schools. Uh, Police are racist. Um, You know, everything is like... It's just it's it's this woke policy. Don't you think that that's going to hurt them in November, that people are just going to say enough? Fifty percent of the time I do when I'm optimistic and then 50 percent of the time I watch news and I pay attention to what's going on, say, in the public school system with the youth increasingly embracing socialism and with the Democrats opening borders and letting in more and more people who believe in the concept of socialism. And that 50% of the time, I wonder what is happening to America. And have we turned the corner where America the great, America the exceptional can be saved? And look, the problem is selling something like equity versus equality is very tempting for the low information voter, for the people who don't want to work hard and be accountable for their actions. Equality means we all have the right for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? But it also puts the ball in our court. We're accountable for whether we pursue those 
provisions of equality, whether we pursue life and liberty and success and so forth. Equity means the government controls the disbursement of resources and services to create this sort of uh, happy feeling for everybody in America to create this sort of equality that isn't really equal in the end at all. But it sounds so good, and that's how it sells to so many voters in America. So I would love to be able to say, Rita, yes, I think there's going to be a backlash. But I think at this point in America, we're at this tipping point. We really need to fight hard to make sure socialists are shut down and the great concepts of American exceptionalism rise to the top. Well, uh, speaking of someone who's been uh, pushing the other end is um, Stacey Abrams. And I want to get your take on this because this just came out a little bit ago. Um, Cheryl, I want to play a comment um, from Mercedes Schlapp responding. But what happened was Stacey Abrams lost her lawsuit. This is one that she had against Brian Kemp, basically threatening the voter rolls and also the voting booths, the location of voting booths. She was claiming they were racist, that it was unfair to, you know, uh, different ethnic groups, and particularly it was a racist move. Turned out it's an Obama judge who shot it down, who basically said, no, there's no evidence that there was any, like, you know, racial discrimination, which is pretty interesting. Um, here is Mercedes Schlapp responding, and then I'll get you to respond. Here's Mercedes. I think it shows that uh, for the most part, a lot of these woke corporations and, and several of these, uh, like the Major League Baseball, they they hung, you know, they hung tight to that emotion, right? The idea that the Democrats were right on this issue, that there was issues with voter fraud. But now we're seeing the truth come out. There's no direct evidence, as the judge has mentioned. And I think for Stacey Abram, who is the original election denier, is really, I think, getting the, the pushback uh, from the judge by saying there's no case here. So, Cheryl, uh, do you think we'll hear any comment from Stacey Abrams or do you think she'll just kind of forge ahead? Watch. She's just going to forge ahead because it works for the Democrats. The race card almost always works for the Democrats. If it doesn't work in terms of getting the, the ballots that they need to win elections, it works in terms of getting out the fundraisers and so forth that keeps their party going. So I predict that she's going to go forward same as usual. Wow. Which uh, it means a lot more of that rhetoric, especially as we're heading to November. I think we're going to hear more of it, don't you, Cheryl? I mean, it's intensifying. Yeah. When when have you known Democrats to ever stand down and apologize? When? And and remember, she still says uh, she won the first race. Yes. But, right, you know, I mean, oh, my goodness. Cheryl Chumley, it's really great to have you here on the show. And everybody, make you, sure you check out her awesome book, Lockdown, The Socialist Plan to Take Away Your Freedom. Cheryl, you got to come back on again soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Rita. God bless. God bless you, too, my friend. Thanks so much. And everybody, when we come back, we'll take your calls. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. having you all here on the Rita Cosby Show. I hope you guys have had a great, great weekend. By the way, I was at the Polish Parade yesterday, the Pulaski Day Parade. It was awesome. A little bit of rain, but not too bad. You know, the Poles, we are determined. I'm half Polish. So we had an amazing turnout. Fifth Avenue flooded with white and red flags. 
and just so many great patriots. And then there was a big concert in Central Park. Uh, I'm going to put some pictures up tomorrow on my social media, so then I'll tell you a little more details after that. But it was an amazing, amazing event and just made me very proud to be Polish and proud to be a Polish-American. It was sort of the best of both. Um, So we'll share it all with you tomorrow here on the Rita Cosby Show. Meantime, we are talking about Kamala Harris and just her crazy comment somehow bringing in the race card about who will get hurricane relief. Uh, I mean, this is just insanity. Take a listen. It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and and impacted by by issues that are not of their own making and I'm so women. we absolutely and so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity understanding that we we fight for equality but we also need to fight for equity understanding not everyone starts out at the same place and if we want people to be in an equal place sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and and do that work. Who is clapping? At this time, you just want to give everybody aid. They are in dire crisis. And she's thinking we should give it to a certain group over another group because of skin color. Hurricane relief aid uh, with everybody. So it's not like the hurricane was, uh, you know, discriminant in terms of where it, you know, flooded and destroyed with its winds and the water. Uh, everybody, uh, sadly, was just pounded by this hurricane. It's not like Mother Nature is thinking uh, racial politics. This is outrageous. 1-800-848-9222. And here is Congressman Byron Donalds of Florida reacting to these crazy Kamala comments. I couldn't disagree more with the vice president. Now is not the time to be talking about who gets what based upon where you started. It's about helping people, making sure they get the resources they need as quickly to them as quickly as possible, helping them recover as quickly as possible. That's what matters. That other stuff can wait for another day. Um, obviously, we're going to have elections about that stuff in, a, in about a month or so. But right now, it's about getting aid to people and getting the recovery process started here in Southwest Florida. I don't know what she's talking about. Uh, frankly, I just shook my head through that entire comment. Yeah, that is outrageous. 1-800-848-9222. Are the Democrats focused on woke politics as opposed to reality? And is it outrageous in your mind, as it is in mine, that Kamala Harris is talking racial equity in terms of who should get relief funds first? Let's go to Phil in the Bronx. Phil, your thoughts. Yeah, I'm, I'm as shocked as everybody else is. I'm especially shocked when when the African-American segment of our country is is made to look like some form of incompetent human beings to humiliate them, to downgrade them, to embarrass them in public with, with stupid ideologies coming out of the mouths of Democrats. I mean, look, you've got tens of thousands of judges, lawyers, African-American men and women. How did they make it? They made it. Look, look, look at look at Martin Luther King. Look at look at the. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas and and tens of thousands of others, hundreds of thousands of African-Americans who made it. What stopped them? Nothing. It was an uphill fight, but they had to make the effort. The problem is the African-American community 
You have other African-Americans who have a couple of bucks in their pocket who humiliate their own people. It, it's the old African slave trade trick. The leaders of the tribes would, would enslave their own people to get gold out of the Dutch and the Portuguese slavers. It's the same philosophy coming out of her mouth, humiliation of, of the African-American community. You know, that's an interesting point, Phil, because you're right. It does minimize those people who have worked so hard. And, you know, it's not like the hurricane is a racist hurricane. I mean, that's why it is such an outrageous comment. And I also think it's insensitive at a time right now where people are hurting and she's using it for political gain. You know that this has to do with the midterms coming up. We're going to continue with your calls after the break. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a powerful story from Monroe, Michigan, where an officer ran over to a house to help save an infant from not breathing. Uh, A man there said he was cooking a family dinner when suddenly... Uh, One of his in-laws came running in inside and said the baby is not breathing. She was red in the face, and he was extremely distressed. So Officer Peterson ran over to the house after he got the call, administered CPR CPR training, and video even shows the feverish efforts to get five-week-old Aliyah Rose to cry. Uh, Finally, she started to whimper, and it was a sigh of relief. Needless to say, the baby is said to be doing fine, and the officer just received a life-saving award for his heroism for saving that little girl. Bravo to our men and women in blue, and of course, their families and everybody who supports them, as we always do here on the Rita Cosby Show. Well, we are talking about the damage caused by Hurricane Ian. Here's a little bit more of Congressman Byron Donald's describing what he has seen in his state. Fort Myers Beach, which is one of the large tourist destinations in the country, has just been obliterated. It looks like they fought a war on Fort Myers Beach. That's what the storm did to that area. Um, Many structures have been completely blown out, washed out. There's debris everywhere. Sanibel Island has been completely destroyed. Uh, Some of the structures are still standing, but the water damage, the storm surge has blown out first floor and even second floors on so many uh, areas of the island. Uh, Pine Island, home to 20,000 people during season here. Uh, There's still about two to two to four thousand people on Pine Island Island right now. 
Uh, we're trying to get them resources immediately uh, from, from FEMA uh, so that they can at least survive the next couple of days. Their bridge is completely washed out. And then Cape Coral is just completely out of power. Uh, their, po their telephone poles have just been snapped all over the island. Uh, we were able to restore emergency power to the hospital yesterday uh, with the hard work of LCEC and our local government there. So much work to be done. But yeah, Kamala Harris uh, is talking about racial equity in distributing funds to those in Florida in terms of who gets relief first. To me, that is the most outrageous, disgusting thing as people are suffering. She's talking about racial equity. What does that have to do with who should get funds first from destruction caused by this deadly Horrible hurricane that, by the way, uh, Florida's fire marshal was just calling Hurricane Ian the worst natural disaster in Florida's history. Uh, isn't that incredible? And people are still dealing with flooding, massive flooding. And she's talking about making sure the funds go to certain racial communities versus others. That is outrageous. And that is racist in and of itself. What are your thoughts, everybody? one 800 Eight four eight nine two 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 one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Here is Benny Johnson of Turning Point USA commenting about that. When those floodwaters are rising, when your home is destroyed, when you potentially lose a family member, as some did, yeah. the last thing you are thinking about is race. And at a time when America came together, perhaps one of the most unifying times in our country is after a natural disaster, when the whole country comes together, she chooses to invoke such hateful, divisive race-based rhetoric. It's amazing. And that was Kelly McEnany, the former White House press secretary, giving her thoughts. Here is Benny Johnson talking about his thoughts, echoing it and just saying this is outrageous. This is like a perverse worldview that is actually regressive and not progressive. Stop calling Kamala Harris a progressive. She is a regressive. Judging people by their skin color is actually racist. That is the definition of racism. Doling out money or federal funds based on race is illegal. And Kamala Harris should, quite frankly, be investigated for comments like this. It is outrageous. And by the way, in the middle of all this, Governor Ron DeSantis came out and he basically said, Looters, beware, because Florida is a Second Amendment state, saying nobody take advantage of this horrible situation. That happens a lot of times during hurricanes. Uh, I was there covering Hurricane Katrina, and the crime was rampant because, you know, people saw, like, the time where, you know, law enforcement was, many of them, their homes were destroyed, like in Florida. They're busy uh, trying to help other people. They're busy dealing with their own homes. There's just so many things going on. And remember, in Katrina, people were let out, even of prison. But people are breaking into stores that are destroyed and damaged, trying to get whatever they can, take advantage. It's, it's the ugly side of what happens after a tragedy. So he comes out and says, looters, don't you think about coming into Florida? Florida is a Second Amendment state. You don't know what you're going to maybe find if you break into a home or into a business. Uh, somebody may be there waiting to protect their property. So what happens? Joy Reid puts out a statement. I couldn't believe this. Basically warning DeSantis about, you know, reacting to these looters in the aftermath, saying that her reaction to what he just said about stay away looters is a racist comment. How is looters a racist comment? She says, 
It's like racist threats from a segregationist, according to Joy Reid on MSNBC. How outrageous is this? He's saying, don't come in. Don't take advantage of our you know, poor people who've been victimized. Don't victimize them a second time in the state. Stay away. Florida people protect their property. And she says that that's a racist comment from, quote, a segregationist swiping, not only at his comment, but also swiping at DeSantis himself. I mean, this is just disgusting. Don't these people like say, gosh, our thoughts and prayers are with everybody in Florida, as opposed to making it political and trying to use it? And you know that they're doing it because DeSantis is planning on running potentially for president. He's certainly a contender. Uh, Whether or not he runs officially or not, he's certainly somebody who there's a good chance he probably will, if not now, in the future. Uh, But still, they can't wait to take a swipe at him. I mean, this is just disgusting. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norm, line two. Norm, your thoughts. Yeah, Rita. um, I'm a Hurricane Sandy survivor. I'm white. I live in a black neighborhood. During Hurricane Sandy, the storm did not create division. It brought us together. Because my father in the 1960s put an electrical panel close to my basement ceiling, it did not get covered with water. As a result of that, my house was the only one on the block who had electricity. I allowed my next-door neighbors, who are black, to use, with extension cords, my electricity to power their water pumps to get their water out of their, out of their houses and charge their cell phones all their loved ones, and FEMA and the insurance companies. My neighbors also helped me because I didn't have a cell phone then, and my landline was destroyed, so I used their cell phones. With the hundreds of thousands of damage I had, I'm grateful that FEMA did not help me based upon my race. That would have been terrible. A hurricane should be a uniting time, not a divisive one. You know, that's a really important point, Norm, because... You think about after just absolute tragedies that have happened in our country, like Superstorm Sandy, like Hurricane Ian, um, like 9-11. You know, after 9-11, we were all Americans. We were all in it together. Superstorm Sandy, too. I, you know, I experienced that as well. And some of the most beautiful things I think about after the horror of Superstorm Sandy um, was neighbor helping neighbor, you know, like nobody cared what their color was. Nobody cared what their economic level was. We just all wanted to help each other. You know, that was the most important thing. And you're right. It's a unifying time. And for her to insert race now is just it it is so divisive. It's so distasteful. And and it's just un-American. It it is. It's just outrageous. Norm, thank you very much. And here is Will Kane, by the way, on Fox News reacting to this as well. Take a listen. It is a predictable guidance, a principle to which the Democratic Party has now subscribed that you should divide people according to their race. They do it with government contracts. They do it with educational opportunities. I can go down. And by the way, this word equity and she I appreciate the vice president distinguishing it from equality, equality, the idea that we all aspire to a society where we're judged by our merit and our individual. No, no. She sets that aside and says we have to strive for equity, which means we start to filter each other through the prism of race. I can go down the street, Harris. I can go to my children's school, and they've incorporated that concept into their guiding principles. And it is, without a doubt, immoral. It is racist. Hmm. And the president and the vice president of the United States, I guess now, that makes it unsurprising. I guess now what makes it shocking is they're willing to apply it to the most dire of circumstances, Hmm. a natural disaster. But make no mistake, 
This is predictable, and this is one of their guiding principles, to be racist. Wow. How scary is that, that this is a political strategy at a time where Norm just said so beautifully, we should be all coming together like we have after Superstorm Sandy. And who's thinking racial equality when you're thinking, God, I have no home, I may have lost a loved one, or I can't get a hold of a loved one? I mean, it is just outrageous, and it is so intentionally divisive. It is creating division as opposed to being some sort of bridge builder, which a vice president or president should be. And things were so bad that the FEMA director, here is the FEMA director in the middle of this all. The FEMA director should be focused on how can I get aid? How can I help people? How can I, you know, make sure that we hurry up and get right away to the people that are in such a dire circumstance? And instead, she has to spend her time answering to these outrageous comments from Kamala Harris. And even she, even though she's the Biden's FEMA director, uh, even though she's in the same administration as Kamala Harris, she basically had to correct her. Take a listen to this. And again, I was on the ground uh Friday and Saturday, and I committed to the governor then that we are going to provide assistance to all Floridians because we know that there are people that are just completely devastated from the storm. We are going to be there to support everybody that needs help. She had to say, can you imagine, can you ever imagine after any other sort of storm or thing like this to have the FEMA director have to be wasting her energy and her time to respond And it's an understandable question. By the way, if I was in front of the FEMA director, I'd ask her. If I was in front of Kamala Harris right now or President Biden, I would ask them and say, what do you what did you really mean, Kamala Harris? She got asked the question, by the way, at an event uh, right after she made those comments. She wouldn't answer. She wouldn't correct her comments. But this poor FEMA director now has to spend her time not necessarily solely focused on giving aid and helping people in Florida, but in responding to these outrageous comments by her own vice president. I I mean, this is insanity, and it is such a waste of time, and it's it's an insult when Governor DeSantis has so much on his hands right now and the FEMA director has so much on their hands right now, an unprecedented, you know, catastrophe in Florida, who the Florida fire marshal is basically saying is the worst natural disaster he believes in Florida's history, and FEMA has to spend time talking about racism, replying to these racism comments, that is shameful and that is pathetic and that is really a sad testament to Kamala Harris. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Trisha. Line three, Trisha, your thoughts. I appreciate your comments and those of your guests and Will Kane tonight, and I uh, would not be surprised if uh, Kamala Harris has been tasked specifically with the uh, task of reaching out to try to keep the um, uh, black and other minority voters who are leaving the Democrat Party because they're tired of the lawless nonsense and, you know, the descent into a a society which is just totally disordered and people are are, uh, being killed by the inflation and 
and also her words about the notion that we have to have um, equality uh, to get people to an equal place. Is so, so what, what, um, do you, what do you think, though, Tricia? You think that this is a deflection? Is that where you're sort of going? Like she's trying to deflect from other woes well, that are going on? Is, everything is about politics and retaining their power. And I think the Democrat Party is just desperate. And this, this thing she said about we have to get people to an equal place. Well, what? where is the notion of that there are consequences for our choices, and if you work hard, you you do better than someone else that maybe is in poverty that decided to um, quit school or start having babies before they were married and ready for it. Well, and also in this case, you know, I don't see like the hurricane saying, "Okay, well, I'm going to go after a poor community first. You know, I mean, if you look at Florida, it looks like. You know, it doesn't matter where you lived almost in Fort Myers. It looks like everybody got hit. Sanibel Island, totally destroyed, it looks like. Again, maybe inhabitable. Uh, I mean, it is it is a preposterous notion to play the race card in this issue. And, and she continues to do it. That's why, you know, Tricia, I don't even think this is just an election year strategy from her. I think this is a genuine strategy from her that she just tries to, you know, insert at the most horrible times, I think, over and over again. Uh, Tricia, thanks so much. And here, by the way, is a little bit of David Webb, African-American host on Fox News, talking about Kamala Harris's comments. Listen to what he said. They're making a play. She obviously doesn't understand the geography of Florida very well. Yes, there are black people in Florida that she may want to play to. But in Fort Myers, in Collier County, from Naples going north, along the I-4 corridor in Orlando, are more middle-of-the-road and right-leaning Americans. So she's politically ignorant. She's amoral. But this is also a bigger picture for them. The word equity, which is the new racism from the left. Is really what they're putting in here. It is what they are just injecting at every single level. Uh, let's go to Bob, line five. Bob, your thoughts. Hi, hi Rita. I absolutely love the comments from your uh, guest uh, callers and, and the other callers. And you hit the nail right on the head. This is more than an outrage. Uh, this is preposterous that uh, we're focusing on equity as opposed to suffering. And the bottom line is this, the demand for racism exceeds the supply. So this is why the radical left is seizing on this opportunity to kind of force their racial agenda. Yeah, I think they're trying to use it any which way they can. Uh, But I think it's also backfiring because don't you think there are a lot of people who are going, uh, this is disgusting. Even even, you know, even African-Americans who are listening just go, wait a minute. You know, people are common sense and they're going this is not the time or place for this. I, I think it's going to turn off so many people, Bob. One, 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 one hundred percent. And as I pointed out, you know, everything is about race as opposed to about equity or following what the facts are. You know, and uh, this is absolutely one of those cases. And and I thank you for your callers, and I thank you for yourself for, for for pointing out that once again, the demand for racism exceeds the supply. And and this is the first of many opportunities that they'll take advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. Let's go to Al, line four. Al, your thoughts? Yeah, hi, Rita. Uh, you know, I just wanted to say for the vice president, Harris, to uh, inject race 
and, and uh, identity politics uh, into this catastrophic event uh, is really like you touched on un-American. And I believe the uh, majority of American people, they don't like it. Uh, what's going to happen from here on in, it's going to be a long road. Uh, the Senator Scott and Senator Rubio, along with the governor, uh, are going to work hard to get that federal aid that's going to be needed. Uh, and it's going to be a lot similar to what occurred uh, in 2005 with uh, Katrina, which devastated Louisiana and New Orleans. Uh, do you agree? Yeah, I do. I think they're going to stay focused, to your point, Al. I think DeSantis is not going to be here. He already kind of said this is outrageous. He answered it because he had to. And I agree with you that he and those you know great folks – like in FEMA and all those people who are working tireless, all the local officials there, um, I agree. They are going to stay laser-focused. But how sad that she is sort of creating this deflection, if you will, and inserting politics and race into something that absolutely should not. The fact that the, even DeSantis has had to answer it time and time again. He's probably had to answer it 20 times because her comment was so outrageous and has made so many headlines. And is so appalling, I think, on so many levels. I think it's so sad that even he's spending one second right now as opposed to focused on the other. But he has to rightfully respond to it because he, he certainly can't allow it to gonna go unmentioned. You know, he's got to at least react to it, especially if reporters are asking him. But I think he will try to stay laser focused and just take care and, and not be dissuaded because he knows this is politics, as we all do, I think. 1-800-848-9222, and we'll continue your calls. The Rita Cosby Show. And you heard what Kamala Harris said. Well, in, I guess, the Biden administration policy of never let a tragedy go to waste, he goes to Puerto Rico because they, were, of course, were hit very hard uh, by this hurricane. And he goes, and what does he do? He blasts President Trump, saying after the hurricane, during Trump's reign, he didn't do very much. So I'm here to save the day. Listen to this one. And you deserve every bit of help your country can give you. That's what I'm determined to do, and that's what I promise you. After Maria... Congress approved billions of dollars for Puerto Rico, much of it not having gotten here initially. We're going to make sure you get every single dollar promised. And I'm determined to help Puerto Rico build faster than in the past and stronger and better prepared for the future. So in the past, you didn't get help, but I'm great, and that's why I'm here. What's your reaction to that? That is a stunning comment, too, from President Biden, and it comes on the heels of Kamala Harris saying racial, uh, basically race plays the role and how we're going to dole out hurricane relief aid for Hurricane Ian. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Let's go to uh, Pete, uh, line five. Pete, your thoughts. Rita, you know, every time, I mean, Puerto Rico, I love everybody from Puerto Rico. I have cousins, but they always get flooded every hurricane every year. What is being done about it? Florida 
I don't hear no talk about Biden uh, with Florida. You know, if it wasn't for DeSantis being down there, these people would be dead. I mean, my niece, uh, she's out there. She's got she had an alligator and two sharks going around in the basement like that. She's hoping that the alligator will kill the two sharks. You know? Oh my God, <laughs> Pete! I will say she's she's drinking some really good sauce, and whatever she's drinking. It's clearly working because it is just, it is crazy. When we come back, everybody will continue talking about this and also some outrageous comments from progressives who say, what subway crime are you looking what's happening in New York City and any other city? They want us to think crime doesn't exist. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rita Cosby Show. In the middle of all the crime that is exploding around our country, we are seeing a number of very progressive politicians, to say the least, come out and take exception with the crime numbers as opposed to talking about the crime. And in just a few minutes, we're going to have on the show Angel Masonette. Uh, Angel is such a great law enforcement expert. He's a former NYPD detective. And I can't wait to get his take on what I think is just outrageous comments coming from a number of New York City politicians who are certainly on the far, far left of the political spectrum, including defund the police, socialist city councilwoman Tiffany Caban, who in the midst of that attack, remember that horrible attack that we all saw on videotape, a 33-year-old mother of five, Elizabeth Gomes, in Queens. She gets off of the subway, and this crazy, deranged man, a repeat offender with a long track record, comes over and starts punching her because she basically wouldn't pay attention to his advances on the subway And he suddenly, out of nowhere, starts beating her up. I mean, it's just horrible, punching and kicking her. And you see it on videotape. The videotape went viral. It is absolutely atrocious, and it's horrible. And this is, again, in Queens. You know, she was a subway worker. uh, Rather, she was an airport worker. And it happened when she got off the subway in Queens, there at the station. I mean, it's, you know, 5 in the morning. It's captured all on videotape. It's horrible. She may not be able to see again. She may lose sight in her right eye after being brutally attacked. And while this is playing and everybody's just saying, gosh, we got to clamp down on crime. we got to clamp down on crime. It's so horrible. What are politicians doing to make sure these repeat offenders never see the light of day? Well, City Councilwoman Tiffany Caban, which is, by the way, the whole uh, the issue of Queens, that's in her borough in New York. She tweets out this, subway violence is a one in a million event. (laughs) What? 
one in a million event. But let's not fear mongering. We have to make sure that these fear mongering politicians and corporate media outlets should not scare us into thinking we have a dangerous, scary public transit system. Are you kidding me? The subways are a mess. You see the videotape, and she is talking about fear-mongering politicians, talking about crime. Has she seen the numbers in her own community? She's not saying anything, by the way, about the attack or the arrest of this ex-con who killed his grandmother, remember, when he was 14, guy who never should have even been out to begin with. She is out there blasting, quote, fear-mongering politicians. She is a defund-the-police candidate, too, a politician. I mean, it's just outrageous. You sit there and you see the track record of this woman, and you see her comments in the past. And my heart just broke. The first thing I thought of was how disgusting, uh, especially for this woman who was riding the subway, Elizabeth Gomes, who, again, uh, the 33-year-old mother of five who was assaulted on September 20th, you know, it's like she got pummeled, she got beaten, and then now she has a politician who says subway violence is a one in a million and it's inflated. This woman shouldn't be representing that district because she clearly has no clue. I'm talking about Tiffany Caban, the councilwoman. She is so out of touch. And how sad that this woman who was attacked had to respond to the comments from Tiffany Caban. Not only does she get beaten by this horrible attacker, she also gets then, like, basically criticized, in a sense, questioned by her own politician. Listen to what the mother of five had to say about the attack and these comments from this politician. How could they allow somebody like this to be in the street? Who's the person who's supposed to be making sure he's inside and getting treated or whatever it is to make sure he's where he's supposed to be and harming people. Like, you're absolutely right. Where, like, where are these people that are supposed to be keeping these people inside? And joining us now to discuss this is Angel Masonette, retired NYPD detective. Um, Angel, I just got to get your reaction to this very progressive New York City Councilwoman, Tiffany Caban, tweeting out basically, subway violence is a one-in-a-million event. Your reaction? Well, uh, a lot of people must be hitting lotto, right? Because uh, we see every day, just about every day, I mean, just yesterday, we had a group of uh, six uh, young ladies, for lack of a better term, on the subway by Times Square attacking and robbing individuals. Uh, we have people being pushed in front of subway cars, we had the uh, young the young lady who works at uh, JFK, uh, who was attacked the other day. Uh, it was caught on video with this uh, this uh, uh, individual uh, pummeled her in the subway. So um, you know Tiffany Caban is living in a fantasy world. I don't know what. Um, I'm sure she doesn't take the subway. It's insulting to New Yorkers who have to ride the subway every day. Crime is up. Um, you have homeless people living in the subway. They defecate in the subway. I mean, we could go on and on and on. She's just she's just really, really out of touch, and, and, and it doesn't show any stronger than with these statements. You know, she also put out the tweet, as you're pointing out, when that horrible incident had already gone viral. Everybody's seeing that case of the woman, you know, the JFK worker, the 33-year-old mother of five, 
uh, just being assaulted. Uh, here it is, you know, at the subway station in Queens. Caban, by the way, uh, that's her borough. What what do you make of the fact she puts out the tweet and there's already this video that the whole world has seen that is just so horrible? Well, it shows, again, how out of touch, right, she is. It shows that she really honestly doesn't care about her constituents, right? Um, if you have something of that magnitude that happened in your district, in the borough in which you work, um, you know, you, you swore an oath to protect these people. Right. She touts herself as a police abolitionist, as many of these city council members do, unfortunately. The last thing that she needs to be doing is alienating her constituents and alienating the police, for that matter. Right. Because, you know, Governor Hochul is talking about putting video cameras on every subway car and things like that. It's not going to stop crime from happening. So um, it just shows, um, uh, uh, frankly, I believe she's a narcissist uh, if she she can't read the room. And she can't uh, uh, take care to uh, tweet something out, um, you know, in support of this victim, as opposed to saying it's a one in a trillion chance. Um, It just shows her ignorance, to be honest with you. What was your reaction to that video that now the world has seen? Um, It is heartbreaking to watch it, Angel. Well, uh, I mean, you know, my first reaction as a retired NYPD detective, you know, I did 22 and a half years with the NYPD. Um, It's infuriating to me. Um, It's infuriating as a father whose daughter lives in New York City, um, who who takes the subway almost every day. Uh, It's infuriating um, as a uh, law-abiding citizen. Um, You know, it it, it makes me always, I always go to the, you know, I wish that would happen in front of me. I wish that would happen when I was around because I know what I would do. You know, you saw one individual make an attempt to help her, um, it's just, it, it's really disheartening. And, and you know, it, um, it, it just goes to show, again, that, uh, uh, you know, she's sincerely out of touch. And, and frankly, I think she just doesn't care. Yeah, and it's, it's horrible when we watch that video. Uh, the woman may lose her eye. Uh, she's spoken out and she came out and said, you know, it looks like Tiffany Caban doesn't ride the subway. What was your reaction to the I mean, nobody can speak with better authority than, sadly, that woman who went through it. Right, yeah, and she's absolutely right. I mean, you can't, you can't ride the subway um, and say that this is, this is not happening. I mean, you either have to be, you know, uh, willfully ignorant or just completely blind. Um, you know, she's, and we know she's not blind, so, I mean, we could, you know, come to our own conclusion. Um, it's ridiculous that she would even say something like that. This young lady was a victim of, uh, 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 I, I can't say it any other way than to say he's a savage, the way he attacked her. Um, you know, uh, she has to now live with the possibility, like you said, of losing her eye. Um, and, and here we have this person who is basically uh, making a mockery of what happened. I mean, this individual served time for killing his own grandmother. You know, he should have never been out of, he should have never been let out of prison. He should have never been let out of prison. And, um, you know, uh, the subway system is extremely dangerous. We know that. And it's only going to get worse. You have police officers that are leaving the city in droves. Uh, We've spoken about this the last time I was on your show. You have police officers who are being fired over an unlawful vaccine mandate that Mayor Adams, uh, for some reason, wants to continue to enforce. Cops are leaving through attrition. They're going to police departments that care about them and want them there. And it's only going to get worse because without the police, 
anarchy and chaos is going to rule. Yeah, very true. And how sad is that? You know, you talked about I, I my heart goes out, obviously, to these victims. My heart also goes out to the NYPD because you talk about just what they are going through right now. Why do you think in the midst of what are clearly horrible cases, the numbers speak for themselves? Why do you think we're seeing socialist city council women like Tiffany Caban and other council members still push this defund the police policy in the midst of all these skyrocketing numbers? Because so I'm I'm of Puerto Rican descent. I grew up in the city. I was a Democrat for a long time, probably until about 2012 or 2014. I became a Republican. Um, We are bamboozled as a culture when we are young and we're minorities. We're bamboozled into thinking that we have to be Democrats. Right. It's just a cultural thing. So she basically wants to keep these people bamboozled into thinking that they need to be Democrats so she can keep her position, okay, regardless of the fact that uh, her policies aren't working and that she's living in a fantasy world. Um, People think that they are uh, serving some sort of justice by staying a Democrat, dealing with these socialists, um, um, you know, voting for them, keeping them in power, even even though the numbers don't lie. Right. And the attacks don't lie. People see this. But again, as a culture, we are being tricked into thinking um, our young folks, especially especially that they need to be Democrats. And uh, there's nothing further from the truth. Well, and we're talking about the numbers, too, again, which you brought up the case of that terrible case, also of the EMT worker. Um, you know, they had a wake for her today. The funeral for her is going to be later on this week. I mean, here's a woman who spent her life in public service. She suddenly gets stabbed to death by a crazy guy uh, the middle of the day in Queens again. Uh, what were your thoughts about that case? Because, boy, that is so heartbreaking. It's, uh, it's, it's horrible, right? Again, um, uh, people are walking around without fear. They don't fear consequences. They don't fear the police. People will fight the police. I mean, look, this, she was in uniform. She's a uniformed lieutenant from the EMT, FDNY EMT. People will fight the police. They will assault the police. They will murder people in broad daylight, like this poor, this poor woman. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, they're going to continue to do it because there are no consequences. They are not being held accountable. There's nobody who is taking this seriously. Um, a person like this Tiffany Caban, she's um, campaigning against solitary confinement in Rikers Island. There's an individual like this who killed this lieutenant, um, uh, Allison Russo Elling, uh, should be in solitary confinement. He should never see the light of day. He should be under the prison. And you have people like this who will actually fight and advocate for these, these savage criminals like they're the victims. It's disgusting. It really is. Yeah, it is. It is horrifying. Everybody, we're talking to former NYPD detective Angel Masonette. Uh, Angel, you know, the same councilwoman, Tiffany Caban, along with some others, incredibly released a public safety guide um, right around the same time in that same area, by the way, in Queens, where this EMT woman lost her life, basically urging business owners to dial 311. Uh, if they see somebody who's mentally disturbed uh, versus 911. And then also there were some lines in there like, you know, when you see the person uh, maybe spill a soda, um, tell them stop. This is not okay. Uh, What are your reactions? I mean, first of all, 
it just seems it, it's so unbelievable they would put this out. And second of all, to even think of engaging with somebody like that, to me, this is really dangerous. Yes, it's irresponsible and they should be held accountable, right? Because, listen, you call 311, it, it takes hours, hours for people to respond when you call 311 for anyone to respond, whether it's some sort of violence interrupter like uh, Mayor Adams is, is trying to sell to the city, or it's the police. It's going to take them hours to respond. When a person is having a mental episode um, and they're armed, uh, it doesn't, you know, absolve them from responsibility for committing whatever act or crime they're going to commit, right? If they're going to stab somebody and they're having a manic episode, um, you don't call 311 and wait. Or if they seem like they're going to be violent, you have to call 911 and get the police there. And she should be telling her constituents to trust the police and to make sure that they call the police when they're in trouble. Because the only people who are going to protect those people are the police. The- Absolutely. Uh, Angel Masonette, great points. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Rita Cosby Show. Former NYPD detective. Great to have you here. When we come back, everybody, we are going to continue with your calls. You just heard what one of the experts says. You got to call 911-1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And you just heard from Angel Masonette, a great former NYPD detective, talking about just these outrageous comments by New York City Councilwoman Tiffany Caban, who tweeted out, Subway violence is a one in a million event. Uh, uh, As a believer in a violence-free NYC, I still think that's one too many, but let's not fear, let's not let Fear-mongering politicians and corporate media outlets scare us into thinking we have a dangerous, scary public transit system. Are you kidding me? There has been so much much crime on the transit system. She just seems completely out of touch, and it's so part of this whole left-wing policy. Let's defund the police, and let's minimize crime. I mean, these people are nuts. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Anthony, line two. Anthony, you know, when I hear the city councilwoman say this, first of all, it is so disrespectful because it came right at the time where that video was posted all over the place of that woman who had been attacked, uh, Elizabeth Gomes, um, Gomez, who had been attacked brutally. And when you see... The video, it's just heartbreaking. All you can think about is supporting her, making sure uh, that the transit system is safe so it doesn't happen again. And yet this politician is like making excuses for crime. It's outrageous. So first off, Reed, I want to thank you for taking my call. But as a former member of the New York City Police Department, uh, after 25 years, retired second grade detective, homicide detective, by the way, Um, Let me just put it out there. For every politician that believes that someone like this has every right to say something like this in the public eye, they're foolish. They're extremely foolish. And anyone who takes that sort of advice is just as foolish. For example, 
Everyone should understand that the facts are the facts. We in this city right now are obviously overwhelmed by crime. Crime has obviously risen twice as much as it did in the early 80s and 90s. We have a situation that's going on. For someone to turn a blind eye to this and say that this isn't happening, the facts speak for themselves. And I think forget about emotions, forget about politics. Let's just look at what is actually happening on a day-to-day basis. Anthony, can I ask you a favor? Um, Stick with us, if you could, uh, especially with your great background as a former homicide detective. Um, Stay with us. We're going to go to a break. We have a hard break here, but I want to continue with you after the break and hear your thoughts more on this. You've been there on the front lines. More on The Rita Cosby Show, everybody, after the break, 800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a powerful story coming from Terre Haute, Indiana, where 98 years old Charlie Fox is being honored. He's a former lieutenant commander in the Navy. He said, when you're lieutenant commander and when you're the executive officer, the commanding officer of a ship, well, you get things done your way. Fox was raised and educated in Terre Haute and World War II interrupted his time in college and he enlisted in the Navy. He says he was fortunate that he entered the war late and was able to avoid serious combat engagements and after the war he remained in the reserves and when the korean war broke out he went back to active duty and he served uh, on a ship just off of the korean peninsula recently he was flown to washington dc as part of the honor flight and how wonderful to see that he was able to go back and to be able to be recognized a good friend of his escorted him And he said that you could see in his eyes that Charlie Fox had tears in his eyes and that he was extremely emotional, that it was very powerful for him and everybody else to see him come to Washington, D.C. to also be recognized as well as some of his comrades. What a powerful, powerful story. And that's why we always love supporting our great men and women in the military. Well, we are talking about a number of these liberal politicians, including New York City Councilwoman Tiffany Caban. Now, City Councilwoman Tiffany Caban just tweeted out, and it was basically the same time that this poor woman uh, was beaten. This 33-year-old mother of five was beaten. We all saw it on that horrible videotape right after she got off the subway train in Queens, uh, beaten by a stranger, a repeat offender with a long track record, who basically was pummeling her. You could see him punching her. You could see him kicking her. And this poor woman may lose sight in her right eye as a result of it. And here it happens in Queens. It happens at 5 in the morning. And you would think the person who represents that area would say, gosh, this is outrageous, this needs to stop, we need to clean up the subways. No, no, no. The city councilwoman, who is extremely progressive, one of these defund the police legislators, comes out and says, 
you know, well, crime, you know, on the subways is a one in a million event. And basically, you know, many people, including the media, are inflating the violence, inflating the numbers. That is outrageous. First off, she didn't talk about the attack. She didn't talk about the assailant, a guy who killed his own grandmother when he was 14. This guy never should have seen the light of day. He was a massive repeat offender. And it's outrageous that someone can't feel safe going to work in the morning that suddenly the stranger comes up and attacks her and nearly beats her to death. I mean, it's horrible. And this comes, of course, on the heels of that EMT worker, uh, the lieutenant, who was just walking down the street and she was stabbed in broad daylight. All of these horrible, horrible, random crimes happening around New York City and around just basically around the country these days. And then you have a local politician in New York City, an ultra far left politician trying to defend, like basically trying to minimize subway crime, saying, you know, it's not that bad that people are inflating the numbers. This to me is sheer insanity and so counterproductive to being able to solve this problem. How can you solve this problem when you have a politician who represents that area who is in just complete denial. All she's doing is talking about defunding the police and not saying a thing about the attack, not saying a thing condemning the attacker. What about also sympathizing with the victim? And instead, she's basically criticizing people for saying, oh, they're inflating crime on the subway. Are you kidding me? When was the last time you were on a subway? Councilwoman Tiffany Caban. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. There are so many people who do not want to go there. And then after they saw that attack, you tried to tell them, oh, don't worry about it. It's not that bad. The numbers speak for themselves, and the numbers are really, really bad. I want to play uh, This is Cut 30, and this is a little bit more of subway attack victim Elizabeth Gomes, who just, it, it is so tragic what happened to her. We all saw it on videotape. Thank goodness she's alive, uh, but deeply, deeply scarred. I want to know because of the negligence and keeping us safe and making sure we have the proper security that we need in our city that something like this have to happen. An innocent person have to lose their eyesight, have to have a change of life, have to think about where they're going to go from here on forward if I don't have a way to get my eyesight back. So here she is talking about the tragedy of that happened to her. And then... We've got Tiffany Caban, again, this councilwoman, who, by the way, was one of a couple council members who came out with this public safety guide right around the same time, by the way, putting out this public safety guide, basically telling people, if you see a crazy person, what you should essentially do is go over and talk to them, say, no, stop, that's not okay, pour a soda, If they're coming over and basically about to attack, you maybe say, hey, didn't I go to school with you? (laughs) You look familiar. Hey, where'd you get your haircut? I I mean, what kind of planet are these people on? Well, the same kind of planet as people like Tiffany Caban, who have come out with this sort of defund the police motto. And remember, a lot of them are backtracking on the defund the police. But we've got it on tape. Take a listen. President Biden, for example, that, you know, the top of that um, party there um, was never for defunding the police. Right. And what he has said and continues to say um, is that they need to have more funding. Please do. There are some on the other side who falsely accuse Democrats for wanting to defund the police. 
The record is clear. We are funding the police, and we should. The president has talked about wanting to fund police, if you will, not defund police. When it comes to public safety in this nation, the answer is not defund the police. It's fund the police. So he's like, fund the police, even though the president did say defund the police. And why is he not condemning? And why are these others who are now suddenly trying to pretend like they're not defund the police criticizing the ones that are towing the line? At least I'll give Tiffany Caban credit. She's consistent with her crazy defund the police policy. And who could forget also Cori Bush? Of course, Congresswoman Cori Bush. What a hypocrite. She's telling everybody else they shouldn't have police support, that there shouldn't be D, there shouldn't be any police around, but she should have it because she needs to protect herself, but not all of you. Listen to this crazy exchange. Who could forget this one? I'm going to make sure I have security because I know I have had attempts on my life and I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to, to allow that. So if I end up spending 200000 if I spend 10, 10, 10 more dollars on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up and defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety nets. So suck it up. I mean, that's outrageous. And again, I'll at least give her credit that she's at least consistent about coming out that defund the police for others is not her policy. You know, Biden's like, no, defund the defund the police. And now midterms are coming. Oh, no, no, no. Fund the police. Um, he's flipping and flopping, you know, more than a house of pancakes. They're flipping more in his verbal tongue than I've seen IHOP do in years. Right. I mean, that's amazing. Meanwhile, she is like playing a little bit of verbal gymnastics saying defund the police for everybody else, but not for me. I deserve security. And then you've got Tiffany Caban, who has the audacity in the middle of one of the worst horrible attacks that we've seen on videotape of this woman unprovoked, attacked by this crazy madman with a rap sheet a mile long. And as opposed to condemning the attack as opposed to condemning the attacker, she instead says, you know, violence isn't that bad on subways, and fear-mongering politicians and corporate media outlets are just scaring people. There's no crime. Don't believe your lying eyes. That is outrageous. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ, line five. BJ, your thoughts? Excellent show, Rita. Thank you for having me on. There's one word that describes what we need to do, and that is recall. Uh, Tiffany Caban needs to be recalled. She is the product of uh, leftist, hard Marxist thinking. There's a bunch of these well-moneyed Marxists that have moved into areas like Long Island City and Astoria and other areas around the city. They think nothing. Uh, They want to live in an oligarchical society where they hold the purse strings and the rest of us have to suffer the consequences. We have homeless encampments now on uh, Orchard Beach. We have cruise ships loaded with uh, all sorts of uh, people who haven't been vetted. And we have silly politicians that live in, in, in an ivory tower telling you don't call the police, creating chaos and mayhem and, and encouraging lawlessness. And people who are otherwise law-abiding are now left to fend for themselves. They've destroyed our city. Folks, wise up. Election day is coming. Go and vote your conscience. 
You know what also, BJ, too, and, and you heard me interviewing Angel Masonette, Angel was also saying that, you know, if you call 311 like this little guidebook was supposed to do, you know, like she's suggesting call 311 versus 911, he brought up the point that 311, a lot of times, they don't come for many, many hours. It's a big difference in response time if it's a 311 because that's not an emergency. You know, 911 is an emergency. I mean, I mean, this like... Oh, talk to the person, ask him what high school he went to. Didn't I go to high school with you? You don't think that you're going to get slugged by some crazy person if they're going to attack a police officer or an EMT or do something like that. They're not going to hesitate attacking someone like you and me. I mean, that is, it is insane. BJ, thank you very much. And I want to go back also to Anthony, uh, former homicide detective. Anthony, thank you for sticking with us because, you know, these comments are just outrageous from Tiffany Caban. And and I want to get your thoughts also about this guide that came out in the middle of all this too, Anthony, where she actually suggests to people, not only is she trying to minimize crime, which I think is a disservice to people because they need to know where crime is so they can protect themselves. Um, And you know that all too well from your law enforcement background. But the other is she put out this guide along with others, basically to say, if there's a crazy person around there, Uh, You know what? Talk to the person. Um, Say, stop. Did you go to high school with me? Pour a soda. Do something. I mean, this is insane, Anthony. It's like uh, putting somebody at risk, I think, also, because you don't want to have anything to do with somebody if they're crazy. Absolutely. And and you could not have said it any better because she needs to understand one thing. First off, society right now should really hold every one of these politicians that join these bandwagons because they believe that it's going to be a political boost in their in an entire political career. Let's defund the police. And then when all of a sudden things just don't go their way, they're all of a sudden flip-flopping, like you said, like a house of pancakes, going back and forth. They should all be accountable as to the actions that they do. If a police officer does something wrong, they're accountable for their actions, right? They're held to a higher standard. Politicians take an oath. They're there to make sure that things run accordingly. They're there to make sure that laws are passed, to make sure that society as a whole conforms to this process that we have in place where we can walk the streets and feel safe at night. When you turn out something like this and you emphasize the fact that you should not be calling the police, especially when something goes wrong, or if you meet somebody who unfortunately may have some behavioral issues and is challenged, you now approach that person. Is she familiar with the term triggers? There are people in the behavioral society that have issues where one word can actually turn them into a, 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 into a person that is, has nothing but anger in them. So you say the wrong thing to the wrong person at the wrong time. You've now just escalated that situation 10 times more than what it originally was. She yeah. really needs to be careful as to what she says. There are people that listen to people in places such as her. There are people that listen to politicians. There are people that go out and take what they say to heart. You need to be very careful when someone is in a train station late at night and you feel that that person is making you feel uncomfortable. Now you're going to approach that person and say, hey, how you doing? Do you know that simple term right there could set somebody off? No, that is a great point. 
You that, know, these are uh, things that people really need to realize. Well, that's that's, that's why, Anthony, I feel like she's creating. I think you hit it on the head. And again, uh, Anthony, who called into the show here, a former NY, uh, NYPD, I believe, right? Uh, homicide detective. Um, you know, Anthony, your background is so important. I'm so glad you called in because to say, um, you know, to, to create an engagement, you know, it's like if you see somebody, this is what you should do. Uh, I mean, an average person is not skilled, just like you said. It's already dangerous enough for uh, great folks in law enforcement like yourself and experts at it. But to suddenly have some random person thinking that they can take the law into their own hands, that is scary. I've had a career in the New York City Police Department 24 years. I've dealt with people that had emotional issues. I had people that were that were just outright criminal and just woke up every morning just looking to do something wrong. And I never, ever experienced a situation where I intentionally went up to somebody just to ask questions without, any ha- without having any reason or any purpose. To have someone that is standing on a platform over train, just think this through. These people really need to think what they're saying. Standing on a platform, now you see somebody who's sitting in a corner, possibly challenged, may have some behavioral issues, may have been off their medication at some point, may have just had a tough time, may have just lost their job, whatever the case may be. Now all of a sudden you go up to them because you feel you want to try to do the right thing and say something, regardless of what it is, with every good intention you may have. Do you know those simple words, hey, how you doing, can actually set somebody off? And these people that sit there in these high horses in their politician's office, in the political office, and they sit there thinking that they're untouchable, they should be held accountable. I, for the life of me, you played those tapes before of these politicians, starting with President Biden all the way down, right? I could sit here all day and argue all I want about how stupid these people are. However, why are we not as a society acting as a whole, saying why aren't these people held accountable? How do you have district attorney's office let people with rap sheets that are three mile long a lifetime of criminality, turn and do something wrong, hurt somebody physically, change somebody's life for, for an entirety, go out after an hour being in the system, two hours in the system, five hours in the system, and a day in the system. How do we find as society that that is acceptable? I How agree. It's, it, it, is, it is shocking. So, so what can we do, Anthony? Is, is it all come to who we vote for and just make sure we – are more educated when we are picking politicians and voting the bad ones out? And let, let us not forget November 8th, for everyone who sits home thinking their vote does not count, shame on you. Everyone should be flooding the entire system and go out and vote legitimately and vote realistically and think not with emotions. Think about what is happening on your day-to-day basis. How do you feel every day going out into the city, taking a train, walking the streets? How do you feel? Is this the city that you want? Is this the city that you feel comfortable in? Is this the city that you want your kids to go to school in? I mean, kids can't even walk the streets anymore playing in the street without being feared of something happening to them. How are we as a society thinking that that's okay? Well, that's why we got to stand up, Anthony, 1,000%. You're terrific, Anthony. You got to call back anytime. You are welcome here on the show anytime. Thank you so much for everything you guys are doing at WABC. And and you know what? I I just want everyone to just understand that, you know what, emotions aside, political opinions aside, you know what? We cannot lose our freedom. 
You know, and as a police officer, I swore for 24 years, and I still do to this day. I volunteer for local fire department. I'm an emergency medical technician. I go out at all hours of the night just to help people. And as a society, as a normal human being, whatever the term normal means anymore, we should all be in this together trying to help each other out and trying to live in a society where you could at least go out and walk the streets at night. One thousand percent, Anthony, one thousand percent. Unfortunately, we got a hard break here, but you got a call back again. You are terrific. And thanks for all you do. I love our Back the Blue segment that we do every night. I love our law enforcement and appreciate you and your service so much. We're going to continue after the break. The Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about progressive politicians like New York City Councilwoman Tiffany Caban, who says subway violence basically isn't that bad. It's fear-mongering. Look at the facts. That is outrageous. 1-800-848-9222. This councilwoman is on another planet. Uh, let's go to Eddie, line eight. Eddie, your thoughts. I read my Polish Danish sister. I hope you had a great time with the bridge. So I couldn't make it. I did. Um, Thank you, know, you. Thank you. It was beautiful. There, there, there will always be crime, and uh, now it's twenty four seven. And I think these people have a lack of logic, and must be a Marxist Marxist takeover. I have had a girlfriend once who used to go out for a walk at night, and I said, "You can't go out for a walk at night. You're a lady. Anybody can be attacked. We need the police." You know, and now it's worse, Rita. I mean, I don't know where you live in Manhattan or where you live, but you're not going out at night. And, and during the day, you know, you still have to have your wits about you. But we should feel right? safe. You know, that like you talked about, oh, oh, you know, um, how uh, your sister, what, was she assaulted? She had to leave New York or something? She just got um, so turned off? Well, her, her husband was. They lived at uh, on West, 48, uh, West 75th Street. And they, they just had it. They moved out to Long Island where I am. How they, sad is that? Isn't that sad, Eddie, that... You know, we're at a place now where people just feel so fed up and so frustrated that they feel like they can't even live in this great city anymore. And that's the sad reality, because not only are people in the city seeing these messages, you know, and seeing also politicians like this Tiffany Caban, who just seems brain dead. Other people, too, because then other people are going, well, maybe they don't want to visit New York. Maybe they don't want to. Come see friends in New York. There are so many drawbacks to this. And of course, our thoughts and prayers are with those who've been victimized. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.